we look at medications affecting the nervous system. In the nervous system, we have chemicals, we call neurochemicals that control this system, which controls our body. These chemicals, they are hormones. They are very important that we learn them and know their function before looking at the medication that they're going to affect or they're going to alter. If you read the medications that are linked with these neurochemicals and did not understand the function of these neurochemicals, those drugs you are reading, you just read them because you want to read booklet or you want to read some stories. You're not going to understand them for no reason. You're not, you're not going to understand them at all. So in order to understand this particular topic, there are things you have to understand. You want to understand what are catecholamines. Catecholamines. You want to know what they are. You want to know what is norepinephrine. What is epinephrine? What is serotonin? Serotonin. You want to understand what is serotonin. You want to understand what are monoamines. Monoamines. You want to know the meaning of monoamines. You want to know um, what we call dopamine. Dopamines. You want to know these neurochemicals. You want to know what they are. What are their functions. What are the drugs that fall under these different neurochemicals. If somebody is having anxiety and they want to jump from a tall story building because they saw a snake in the house. What is the cause of that? You want to know these things. What is adrenaline? You want to know what these things are. You want to know their meaning and the function of these neurochemicals. There are so many. GABA, those things, those neurochemicals, we have to know the meaning to know what are the drugs. When you talk about serotonin inhibitors, serotonin reuptake, what does that mean? If you understand the meaning of and function of these neurochemicals, when someone calls a drug like a Ramiron to you or metazepines, you know exactly what medication is that. You know the class it's going to fall on. You know the function of it. So if someone calls a drug like epinephrine, what's the function of epinephrine when someone has an anaphylactic shock? What is the function of epinephrine? You will know because you know the meaning of the, of the neurochemical epinephrine. You know the function of epinephrine. So when you know this, definitely you will have a smooth way towards the anklets. Now, under here, I'm going to discuss about various drug classes that fall under the neurological system or neuropharmacology. Under here, we we'll talk about anxiety disorders, medication, panic disorder medication, obsessive compulsive disorder medications, social anxiety disorder medications. We we'll talk about the techniques used to administer these medications. We we'll talk about the bowel. Uh, we we'll talk about the feedback. Uh, the bowel feedback. If you get this medication, we'll talk about the bowel feedback, how it works, how the effects or how to regulate our heart rates in terms of problems. We'll talk about all those, all those ones. Um, I'm going to start with uh, a drugs group called 
benzodiazepines. Benzodiazepines. Um, the benzodiazepines, they are hypnotic medication, they are sedatives, and they are anxiolytics medication. So benzodiazepines can cause sedation. That's why it is a sedative. Um, it causes muscle relaxation. It causes uh, sleep induction. That's why they are called hypnotic. And it also reduces anxiety and other things. That's why they are called angiolytic medications. Now, before looking at the benzodiazepines, um, I will look at few things that I want us to look at and know. These neurochemicals, because we'll begin to talk about them one at a time. Uh, let's start with uh, when we talk about the neurochemical serotonin. Now, serotonin is one of those neurochemicals that is in our brain. Um, it is the key hormones for mood stability. It causes mood stabilization. Serotonin. So, serotonin also helps in digestion. It helps in, it helps us to eat our appetite. It helps to make us to be well. It, it brings in well-being of our system for serotonin. Now, so that's, those are the function of serotonin. Like take for example, when we talk about serotonin, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Now, if serotonin is a functional drug that improves our mood, improves digestion, improves our well-being. So, if we talk about serotonin or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, now let us look to the to the to, to the definition of this to the acronym. This is our selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Now, this inhibitors means um, it prevents something. Inhibit means to prevent, to stop, to block. That's why it means when you talk about inhibitors. So, um, in SSRIs, these are medication that prevent the reuptake of the hormone or the chemical serotonin that simply means if the brain is producing serotonin in high amount and it is being used by the body in high amount the body becomes deprived and goes in the need to look for more serotonin so in this case where it's supposed to be used to provide the requisite effect to the body to create stability in our mood to create um, appetite, to make us to wake up in the morning in a well, in a good state of mind, it will be lacking because we do not have serotonin. So for that reason, we're going to have mood problem. So the doctor will go in and, pre and, and prescribe for us SSRIs. So the SSRI, when you take the SSRI, it goes to the brain, to the brain portion where serotonin is absorbed. Where the absorption of serotonin occurs in the brain, this drug goes to that particular segment and inhibits the absorption of serotonin. 
So when the absorption is inhibited, guess what happened to us next? Then our body, will, our brain will have enough serotonin in the brain that will help to improve our mood. So that's how the work of SSRI is carried on in our brain. You have to know the function of the medication and you have to know when it is prescribed, what is the action? How does it work? How does it affect the brain? How does it alter our chemicals to create a baby? That's how it works for us. Then we have another neurochemicals that we refer to as epinephrine. Now, epinephrine is that neurochemical that is also called adrenaline. So when you hear the word epinephrine, it's seen as adrenaline. Now, epinephrine as a neurochemical, as a neuro, as a neurochemical, um, it function two area. It has two distinct function. It function on the alpha and the beta. So it function. It, it, it has an action that, that that controls alpha and beta's area of our body. Now, norepinephrine as a neurochemical only control the beta portion. Epinephrine controls both alpha and beta, and I will tell you why that why that occurs. Now, under here, um, the epinephrine. So they control, like I said, both alpha and beta receptor sites in our brain. Now, alpha and beta receptor sites in our brain, uh, in our body, they are located in different portions, in the muscles, in the lungs, in the brain, and other parts of the body. I'm going to tell you where they are located. In this epinephrine, um, epinephrine can, can work, or it is functional, it increases our blood sugar. That's one the function of the neurochemical epinephrine. It increases our blood sugar. That's one. Two, it increases our heart rate. So if the body is dropping, if the heart rate is dropping, the body signals the brain to release more epinephrine to increase the heart rate. So what happens if we panic, if we become anxious, our heart starts to raise. So when you when you're having a panic attack, you are having your entire body, there, there is more release of the chemical epinephrine. And that's why we're talking about epinephrine, we're talking about flight or fight mechanism of the body in epinephrine. Epinephrine also causes the heart contraction, the heart squeezing, the power of the heart to squeeze, to contract is caused by epinephrine. And that's why when you are low on epinephrine, our heart and other things cannot work properly. Another function of the chemical epinephrine is um, it causes our smooth muscles in our lungs or in our airway to relax. It causes smooth muscle relaxation. So in the case of allergic reaction, like I talked about yesterday, if the client is having anaphylactic reaction, I label to you the symptoms of anaphylactic reaction. And I talk about it starts with regular depression. It moves toward airway obstruction. The airway become blocked. Airway become inflamed. The airway muscles become what we call bronchospasm occur when we are having a reaction. And if nothing happens in that case, our heart collapses and the patient dies. 
in the case of anaphylactic shock, which is a severe reaction of allergy. Now, so in this case, what was the nursing management would talk about when somebody is having anaphylactic shock? We said we gave epinephrine, right? Now, so if you are getting, if, if you are administering epinephrine in the case of anaphylactic shock, so think on the function of epinephrine. It controls our heart rate. When our heart is about to collapse, it reawakens the heart. It, it produces the heart contractile function. It relaxes the smooth muscles of the lungs, of the airway. And that's the reason why when you are having airway obstruction, airway bronchospasm, you take epinephrine to relax the bronchial, uh, uh, to relax the muscle in the airway. Now, I just want to sometimes to reflect on these things. Because in the end class, if we do not reflect to know these things well, in the end class, when these questions are given to us, they might be the simplest of questions. But because we are having anxiety for the end class, we are having testing phobia, what happened to us? We lost balance. Then we, then we, then we start to panic in the end class. So just remember when someone is having a, an attack, an, an anaphylactic attack, what do you administer? Epinephrine. And in, in panic attack, when someone has added up reaction, the heart rate is increasing, the airway is getting narrower, the person is getting afraid, the person is panicking because they, 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 they cannot breathe. And we gave epinephrine, and epinephrine will, will, will arrest all of these things. That's the function of epinephrine. So when we talk about the drugs epinephrine, we have to understand the function of the neurochemical epinephrine. Now, epinephrine itself also we can also give epinephrine when we are when we are giving when we are doing surgical procedures we combine epinephrine with anesthetic agents what's the function the the patient asks the nurse i'm going for a surgery at two o'clock i'm going for uh appendectomy why is it that, that my doctor, the surgeon, has to provide, has, uh, the surgeon has to administer epinephrine along with my anesthetic agent or my, uh, the drugs are going to cause the numbness or they're going to carry the pains away from the surgery? Epinephrine is added to anesthetic agents because it prolongs, it prolongs the length of the anesthesia in the body. That's why doctors always combine epinephrine with this medication to administer, uh, to, to carry on a surgical procedure. Another function of epinephrine is, we can also administer epinephrine in the case of asthmatic attack. What happened in asthma? In asthma, our airway is becoming obstructed. Our muscles in our airway are becoming spasmic. So if we, if we administer epinephrine, it relaxes the muscles in the airway. Epinephrine as also a, as also a, a medication. Epinephrine um, also we administer in uh, like I said in anaphylactic shock and other things. These are just common function of epinephrine. And remember that epinephrine as as a neurochemical, it works on both alpha and beta receptors in our body. Now, the alpha receptors are found in the arteries. So in our arteries, we found the alpha receptors in our arteries. And the beta receptors are found, you will find it in the lungs, 
They are found in the lungs, they are found in the heart, they are found in the arteries of the scalentine muscle. There we found the bitter receptors. Now, for the epinephrine, like I said, it contains both beta and alpha receptor, receptor in our body. Then we have the norepinephrine. The norepinephrine, it is only found in the beta receptors. Now, and the beta receptors, like I said, the beta receptors are found in the lungs, in the heart, and in the scalene-type muscles of our body. There we found the beta receptor sites. Now, the epinephrine, and so we have, so remember epinephrine, uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and dopamines are what we call the corticolamines. So, dopamine, epinephrine, uh, dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, for one of the corticolamines. Just remember. Now, we we'll look at the function of corticolamines. Now, also under here, so let me, okay, so the corticolamine, so the cortical, the corticolamines are, you have dopamine, you have epinephrine, and you have norepinephrine. This particular chief neurochemical, it prepares the body in the case of flight and fight action. Like in some situation, we have to fight back to survive. So that decision is provided by the corticolamines. In some situation, we have to escape the scene. We cannot fight because our fight will not make us survive. So we have to escape the scene. So by not fighting, by escaping, it's called the flight. So the corticolamine provides all we call the fight or flight mechanism of our body. Either we fight the situation or we escape. That becomes the flight. So those, uh, the, the fight or flight mechanism is being provided by the corticolamine, which include the dopamine, the epinephrine, and that of the what? The norepinephrine. Now, for the um for the epinephrine um the epinephrine sorry the norepinephrine for the norepinephrine we say it controls only the alpha receptors now the norepinephrine has function like it increases our heart rate it increases our heart rate one two it increases our blood pressure our BP is increased by norepinephrine. The norepinephrine also help us. It gives it breaks down fats. It breaks down fats in our body and also function. It narrows our blood vessels, which increase the BP. The norepinephrine also function in depression. It works in depression to clear to clear it away and it also treat client with ADHD condition. Now, the norepinephrine as a, uh, or, or, or as a neurochemicals and the epinephrine, they have some similarities. The similarity there is both epinephrine and norepinephrine regulate our heart rate when our, we're having a decreased heart rate. Let's answer that portion. Now, the difference between them is 
The norepinephrine can increase the heart rate by narrowing the blood vessels, which the epinephrine cannot achieve. So that's the big difference between norepinephrine and epinephrine when it comes to the various neurochemicals. Now, also, then we have what we call the monoamines. So when you hear monoamines, the monoamines are also a group of neurochemicals that we call the monoamines. We call them the monoamines. The monoamines include one, serotonin. You have serotonin under the monoamines. You have dopamines that fall under the monoamines. And uh, we also have norepinephrine that also fall under the monoamines. So these are the monoamines. Now, so I want you to understand the function of serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. Sit down and look at the function, how they function separately. So when you hear the medication monoamines oxidase inhibitors, MAOs, M-A-O-R, monoamines oxidase inhibitors, you will know exactly what can be the function or what are the functions or how monoamines inhibitors work on the body. You will know that. So you have to understand the function of these neurochemicals to be able to understand the function of drugs that fall within these previews. Any question? So the benzodiazepines, they can be sedative, hypnotic, and angiolytic medication. Example of the benzodiazepines, you have diazepine itself. Diazepine itself is a benzodiazepine. When we are serving it in the, uh, in the anus or in the rectum for seizure that is not stopping, it becomes called diastat. So you've seen a drug called diastat. And I want you to look at on YouTube, how do we administer diastat medication? It comes in drag and drop. Diastat, how is it administered? It comes in a packet. It is the same diazepine, but they have a procedure to administer diastat medication for seizure. And you all understand, when do we administer diastat? We do not just administer it when patients are to have seizure. No. If the seizure lasting for three minutes to five, up to five minutes, then one to administer diastat. Or the patient is having back-to-back -back seizure, seizure, then we can administer diastat. There's a procedure you follow, step-by-step -step procedure to administer diastat. Other medications include the chlorodiazepam. You have the clonazepam. They are offered on a benzodiazepam. Clonazepam. Clonazepam. Offer on the benzodiazepines. Now, this medication, um, we use them in what we call GAD, generalized anxiety disorders. So we use diazepam in GAD, generalized anxiety disorder. We can administer it in there. We can also administer it in panic disorders. When a client is having panic disorders, we can administer the benzodiazepines to arrest the panic. Um, diazepines or benzodiazepines, they can be used 
in the case of seizure disorders, like I talk about diastat, they can be used in the case of insomnia, when the client cannot sleep. Insomnia, in the case of insomnia, we can administer diazepam in the case of insomnia. We can also, when a client is having alcohol withdrawal symptoms, alcohol withdrawal, when a client is going through alcohol withdrawal, we can administer diazepam. One of the biggest one is Ativan. Ativan is a diazepam. Lorazepam is what we call the Ativan. It is called lorazepam and it can be administered in the case of an alcohol withdrawal. So when you work at the mental hospital, uh, when a client comes in, a client has been on alcohol, the client is having alcohol induced um, 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 mental illness. We put the all called the CY. We put it on CY. CY is that we monitor the client. We look at the client body, their orientation, where they know where they are. We ask them, do you know where you are? Where we are right now, where we are. They can tell us the time, the date, where they are, why they are here. Are you having abdominal cramp or abdominal pains? They can tell us about that. Are you hearing voices? Are you hearing people talking like you are? Are you having auditory hallucination? Can you see shadows in your eyes, which is visual hallucination? Do you feel creeping, things creeping on your skin, which is called textile hallucination? We want to ask them all these questions because these are signs of alcohol withdrawal. Then we do for them while they are having tremors. We do the neurological check for them while their hands are trembling. We do that for them to know whether it is trembling or not. Then we do their vital signs. Vital signs look at the heart rate. Is the heart rate below 100? Is the heart rate above 100? Now, based on these uh, various uh, constituency of the vital sign or the questions we ask the client, the doctor will prescribe like what we call like a, a skill to administer Ativan. Some clients who do not have a very high heart rate, once the heart rate is above 80 or 90 and you're having tumor and other symptoms, sometimes we administer 2 milligrams of Ativan. Sometimes we administer one milligram out of them. Sometimes we give three or four milligrams, depending on the symptoms of withdrawal that are shown in the client's life at that point. So if the client comes in with uh, on an alcohol withdrawal behavior, we do the CY for them. CY can be done every two hours if the client is scoring. So those questions we are asking you, one why you are scoring. Scoring means the client is having those certain symptoms that will um that will initiate us to start the Ativan or the lorazepam for the withdrawal symptom. Because if we do not administer the medication, the client might have serial withdrawal symptoms, which might kill the client. So we must see why the client is if the client is scoring, we do the client vital sign every two hours. If the client is not scoring, we observe them at least every four hours until the client is stable. So we can also administer this medication in the case of uh, alcohol withdrawal. And we also administer diazepam or benzodiazepines. Let me use the word benzo because benzo is the cloud of drugs. Diazepine is just one of the drugs on a benzodiazepine. So we can administer benzodiazepine for also surgery to bring in sedation. If the client is given for surgery, we can combine benzodiazepine with other anesthetic agents to provide sedation for the client. So it has different uses. It is also, in the case of PTSD, 
we can administer diazepines. We can administer diazepines when a client has what we call hyperarousal symptoms and other conditions. We can administer diazepines or benzodiazepines. Now, these medications, these basal medications, um, there is these drugs. There is one thing that uh, there is one big complication for this medication, and that complication is what we refer to as uh, CNS depression. So, the basal diazepines can cause CNS depression. Now, so as a nurse, when a medication has a particular complication you want to understand the signs and symptoms of that complication because in the end class they will they might not name the complication itself they will give you signs and symptoms of that complication and they will ask for the management so the only way you're gonna know that you're gonna know the management for, for that complication is if you can pick up the signs and symptoms of the complication, then you can formulate the management. Example for this medication, you have the CNS depression. Um, the client for CNS depression, the signs and symptoms include one, when the client is having this particular complication, CNS depression, the client will have the, there will be sedation. There will be lightheadedness. There will be um, the client will have decreased cognitive function. The client will have decreased cognitive function or decreased cognition. In the case of CNS depression, now, so these are the cardinal sort of symptoms for CNS depression. In the end class. They're going to tell you a client is on diazepine or the nurse administered diazepine and a client arose from seizure and the client has the following symptoms. The client is having, the client is feeling sleepy, the client having lightheadedness, the client has decreased or uh, alternate about his environment. What would the nurse do? Now, the symptoms they have given you for this client, they are all symptoms of CNS depression. So what would the nurse do? So the nurse, first of all, has to have to know that those symptoms that, that, that have been provided, they are symptoms of CNS depression. So what would a nurse do when a client is having CNS depression? The nurse will, will have to observe the client for depression itself. The nurse will have to notify the doctor when, it, when the client shows any of these symptoms. The first thing is the nurse will pick up the phone and call. The client is on this medication, the client shows these symptoms. That's the first thing. Second thing, you have to avoid activities that, 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 that require alertness. So if you are on benzodiazepines, the client cannot drive. When you are on diazepine, the client cannot operate huge machineries. When the client is on benzodiazepines, the client cannot uh, 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 do a lot of things. The client must avoid alcohol because alcohol itself is another form of CNS depression. So if you are taking benzo and you own alcohol, definitely it's going to cause you to crash. In the end class, end class going to ask you a question like that. A client on benzo or a client on Arivan, what, what, what other medication or what is also or what could be a great 
contract indication for this client or what could be a contract indication for this client in this case they might label to you other medication now in this medication so take for example if you own this particular medication you cannot drive heavy, heavy machineries now let's understand one thing if we have a to be alcohol the client you have alcohol in the question b you have a uh, driving to work now and see you having all these things now you have to think which one will cause the most harm to the client that could be your correct answer like today in class the girl says she had a question that all four of the answers were all correct in class will do that a lot of time and you have to you have to go to work and uh, understand which option is the best option to choose among the option you have to do that because if you don't if you don't you get confused you will take the wrong answer so in the end class sometimes we're going to have two or three of the four options all correct then we also have what we call the anti the anterograde amnesia. This drug can cause anterograde amnesia. These benzodiazepines they can cause what we call anterograde amnesia. So you want to look at this word and know the meaning of anterograde amnesia. This drug also has it can cause acute toxicity. Um, this medication can also cause withdrawal symptoms it has withdrawal effect withdrawal effects so when we are administering this medication we want to be careful how to administer it and when we are, we are when we are about to dc the medication or discontinue the medication we have to do it little by little because it has a withdrawal effect now it has what we call paradoxical effect of the medication better than the pump so you, so you want to go ahead and look out and look up this effect. Put in your computer, in your phone, paradoxical effect of benzodiazepine, withdrawal effect of benzodiazepine, acute toxicity of benzodiazepine, anterograde amnesia of this medication. It will bring you a lot of things you will read. And when you read them, just look at the nursing management for each one of those uh, different complications. Now, for all of them, let me be frank with for all this uh this effect of the medication complication, you want to call the doctor. Withdrawal symptoms is an emergency. You have to notify your doctor with any other withdrawal symptom for sure. Now, um, I will talk about one of the major one, which is withdrawal effects. For the withdrawal effect, the client is going to have anxiety. The client will have insomnia. The client will have diaphoresis. They will sweat profusely. The client will have tremors. That's why I just I said when the client is on alcohol withdrawal, the client must well, look at the client having tremors with their hand. Their hand having tremors. They can they are stable. They can look around. They can move their eyes without losing balance and other things. These are things you look for when the client is having withdrawal symptoms. What we're doing for the client CY uh, assessment. The client will have hypertension. That's why we do the client blood pressure. The know is 
high above normal the client will have muscle twitching and the client can have seizure so these are us the client can have delirium and that's why we are asking the client do you know where we are what's your name who am i to you what where are you lying down are you in the hospital or are you home if the client has delirium the client wouldn't remember this the client will be confused and that's why we are asking this question when we are doing the alcohol withdrawal assessment for the client which is the CY. now so in this case you want to withdraw or you want you want to educate the client on the withdrawal effects you want to um the client who have been taking benzodiazepam regularly and in high amount you want to taper it or taper the medication you want to taper the medication the client who has been on this benzo for a long time you cannot just withdraw it abruptly you have to reduce the dose until the slowest then you will dc the medication but we can just dc this drugs like how we dc antibiotic it does not work that way now so this drugs is contraindicated in pregnancy category d it is also category x um these drugs are avoided in clients who are pregnant and mothers who are breastfeeding we do not administer these drugs for breastfeeding mamas and also for pregnant mamas these medications are classified as schedule four of the control substances i talked about it yesterday benzodiazepine are classified as schedule four we talk about schedule one schedule two schedule three schedule four benzodiazepine are classified under schedule four of the control substances in the u.s any question on benzodiazepines this medication you should avoid it when the client is on cns depressant like alcohol like barbiturates opioids we do not combine opioid medication morphines and other things with this benzo we do not combine alcohol with benzo we do not combine barbiturates with benzo the client will crash it will cause or, or, or depression anti-convulsant and antihistamines can cause an increase in depression with this medication a client who is on benzo cannot take any of the corticosteroids a client with on this medication um cannot also drink grapefruit juice grapefruit grapefruit um reduces the strength of benzodiazepine so we cannot combine grapefruit juice with benzodiazepine it will reduce the function of the benzodiazepines just so you know that so um any question on benzodiazepines let's look at um few of the atypical anxiolytics medication so you have bosparone you have uh, the atypical the atypical uh the atypical anxiolytics example you have bosparone is an example this is s um so these medications uh 
their mechanism is actually unknown but just remember that uh, they can they, are, they can treat panic disorders they can treat social anxiety disorders like those different kind of phobia claustrophobia any of the phobia disorder they can treat it um, they can also treat OCD condition obsessive compulsive disorders and they can also treat trauma and PTSD conditions for this uh for this medication then we'll talk about the SSRIs now the SSRIs are the selective selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors the SSRIs we call them selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors now these medications are antidepressant there are five group of antidepressant which we'll talk about but this it says our eyes they are antidepressant now honor the antidepressant or honor them um so under these medications we we have example you have the sexual lane you have example the sexual lane yeah this is our eyes you have like a parasite Parazactin, parazactin medication. Um, you have like a, the fluid zactin. Those are all different kind of SSRI medication. Um, so you want to like go in and like look at the drugs class and look look them up one at a time. So this medication. They are administered to allow the body to function well because we say serotonins are who are they are chemicals that make us to function appropriately, have what to have good cognition, to have good appetite, and all the functions of serotonin. So when we administer SSRI, it helps the body to have enough of serotonin in our brain. To create good uh, good function of our body um, this medication has a long effect of half life so we talked about half life yesterday this is our eyes have a long half life so they are all called the long-term half-life medication this is our eyes and uh, these drugs can stay up to four weeks in the body before they start to produce a therapeutic effect so when you start to take SSRIs, they do not just start to work immediately. It takes not like four weeks before the drugs can start to work for the patient. So you will see the angler will ask you, a client on this medication for the past three weeks and the client's symptoms is not subsiding or the symptoms are not subsiding and the client asks the nurse, what's the nurse's best response? A, the drugs is not good, so let's increase the dose. B, the drugs will work, but it takes up to four weeks before it starts to work, and they'll give you these options. You all know which drugs have a short half life. We said drugs with short half life 
can start to work very faster. Drugs with long half life takes more time to begin working. We talk about these things and you want to understand how these things are applied to our real life questions. Um, these medications, you, you have another one, the, the, ex, the acetalopram, another form of drugs under here. They are the acetalopram. They are all drugs that fall under the SSRIs. So you can look at these medications, look at their action, look at the contraindication. Just these are the most common SSRIs you always talk about in your ankles. Um, these drugs have different side, different average of, of complication, which include they have weight gain. You're going to have weight gain. They can cause GI bleeding. So the client on this medication, you want to caution the client about GI bleeding. Um, it, cause, it causes hyponatremia. It can cause hyponatremia. Um, so when the client is on this medication, you, you, you want to obtain the client blood sodium level then this drug can cause one big thing on here we call serotonin uh it causes what we call serotonin syndrome so this drug when you own it it causes serotonin syndrome now these are the points in your ankles you want to remove these things very well these are dangerous adverse effect of medication so when you see this adverb if you have medication, you want to know them to your fingertip because in the ankles, the ankle will not talk about children's syndrome. They will give you the symptoms of this syndrome and they will ask for the management. So if you are not skillful ankles wise, if you're not fast thinking enough to understand that, the, that certain symptoms are linked with this particular children's syndrome, then you get lost in the ankles. The symptoms include agitation. You can have agitation. You can have confusion. You're going to have um, uh, you're going to have like anxiety. You have anxiety. Um, you're going to have hallucinations. Hallucinations. You also going to have what we call myoclonus. Uh, problem you will have myoclonus 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 this simply means the client going to have um some form of spastic jerky muscle contraction you have like a some spastic spastic jerky muscle contraction when you have the myoclonus the client going to also have hyperreflexia the client will have hyperreflexia the client will have also what we call last day, they're going to have tremors, fever, they'll have tremors, they'll have fever, and they'll have muscle or uh, incoordination. They'll have muscle um, problem. The muscles will not be coordinating well in coordination of, of muscles. They're going to have that in here. So these are the seven symptoms of withdrawal syndromes that the nurse needs to know when the client is on serotonin. Now, I want to remember one thing. There's a reason why we have to know these drugs by their names and by the classes they are belong to. 
The reason is in the end class, if we if the client if the end talk about paracetamol, a client is on this medication. To be a test taker, you have to be one step ahead of the endless proctor or the, those who draw the question in English. Take for example, if I'm reading a question, the moment I hear or I see the question states the, 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 the patient took this medication, the patient took ampicillin. The first thing I want to think of what is ampicillin? What class of the drugs or the, the drug ampicillin belongs to? The client took amitriptyline. What is amitriptyline? It is an antidepressant. What are the general functions of antidepressant? Or the client took paracetamol, fluoxetine. What are what is the class of this medication? What are the actions of fluoxetine? They are SSRIs, and these medications they have one big complication they can cause serotonin or syndrome. And what are the symptoms of serotonin syndrome? You have agitation, you have confusion, you have hyperreflexia, you have myoclonus, you have diaphoresis, it causes fever, it causes tremors. Those are the symptoms of serotonin syndrome. So I want to have at the back of my mind, at the back of my mind once the question states, I'm going to do a patient in this hospital is on paracetamol. After four days or after four weeks of being on this paracetamol, I'm going to show all the following symptoms. I'm going to is having fever of 98. days or 104. days. I'm going to has confusion. Now, sometimes the manner in which confusion, they will give you a case scenario. Now it is in the English. I'm going to a 44 years old male client who was admitted on that. Dinarus to himself was started with paracetamol this middle ground for the past six weeks. Amanda did not show any symptoms of the medication for the past three weeks. In the fourth week of this medication, Amanda presented or Amanda called Nurse Tita with the following uh, presentation. Amanda does not understand, he he's forgetful, he, he, he does not uh, recognize. His daughter, he does not recognize his wife. Um, he has been missing his house, his the route leading to his house. They will give you all these cases not just to confuse you. But if Amadou is not, if Amadou does not understand anything about his about, about his life, Amadou is confused. If Amadou is having jerky movement of the right arm, Amadou is having myoclonus. If Amadou is shaking, he, 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 he cannot maintain balance. Amadou is having tremors. If Amadou have Amadou is having increased heart rate, Amadou have that's just something you want to look at. If Amadou is having like anxiety, Amadou hearing voices, Amadou is having hallucination. At the end of the day, when we do symptoms analysis of all what Amadou has presented with, everything will fall within this category. So this category of symptoms Amadou has presented with is linked to serotonin syndrome. What will the nurse do? That is the question. Sometimes everything the end will give as a case study lies in one world. And all the symptoms they have given you, the background of Amandu that have been presented to you, is only about Amandu has serotonin syndrome. But because the end class wants to know whether you studied well, you understood these things while studying, the end class will draw you around and bring you back at this point, know whether you still know what you, what the English is. So that's why sometimes if you know, you know. 
If you know this thing, you don't have to even take three minutes on that question. The moment you read the question and you see this, see these symptoms, bam! You know these are symptoms for what? Or these are symptoms of children's syndrome. And you go to the option and see what will be the punishment. For this for this uh, 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 symptom for pseudony, it begins within two to seventy-two hours after the client has initiated the treatment. So these symptoms for the claim it begins within two to seventy-two hours after starting the medication. Now a resolve when the drug is discontinued. So all of these things Amandu is showing can only be dissolved when Amandu DC the medication. When the doctor DCs Amandu medication is stopped. So what will the doctor do? Doctor only DC this medication and Amandu will be free of the serotonin syndromes in this case. You watch for and advise the client to report any of these symptoms which if the client cannot pick them up the, or the nurse cannot pick them up to, to this the medication the client might die from this medication syndrome because they are life-threatening average effect of the medication serotonin so the nurse must understand these things so um this medication on us our eyes they also cause what we call withdrawal syndrome in general so they can cause general withdrawal syndromes. Those symptoms or syndrome include you have nausea, sensory disturbances, anxiety, tremors, malaise, and it causes uneasiness. The treatment for that is we minimize the medication. Now, guess what? We have to know the difference between serotonin syndrome from withdrawal effects withdrawal effect is when the drugs is being with, is being dc from the client what the client will show is what we call withdrawal effect so how do we treat withdrawal effects is by tapering the medication later until it reaches its lowest dose then we stop it we cannot stop these medications including benzodiazepines abruptly they're going to cause withdrawal symptoms. Then, we have to know the symptoms for withdrawal syndromes or withdrawal effects and the symptoms for withdrawal for pseudonym syndrome, which I have labeled to you. In the case of this withdrawal, this pseudonym syndrome, you DC the medication. In withdrawal symptoms, or in, in, in a withdrawal effect, you do not DC the drugs, you reduce the drug dose little by little until the lowest dose those are two things you want to make for you to understand the endless and this is also applied to any other drugs that contains a syndrome and also contains withdrawal effects so we say what we learn in a can be applied in b and c other things so um so this is what we want to understand about this medication and their side effect. Client on this medication can also have SI, which we call suicidal ideation. So client on this medication, they can have SI, 
which is called, which we call suicidal ideation. They can have the mind to commit suicide. In that, for that particular effect, what you want to do is you want to monitor the client and report any thoughts of suicide. Do you want to kill yourself? And what are the thoughts? The client packing and giving their belongings to their friends. The client writing goodbye letters. The client sharing his belongings. The client try to visit uh, uh, his relative, close friends. One morning you see your client trying to tell everybody goodbye, meaning he's had something on his mind to commit suicide. Those are things you want to pick up from the client. The client start to start to, start to do those things. Another symptom is the client can have bruxism. With this medication, the client can have called bruxism. This is when the client is grinding their teeth. They put their teeth together and grind it. You hear the sound. Grin, grin, grin. The client grinding his teeth or her teeth and clenching the teeth together. That's what we call bruxism. And this drugs, these drugs that formula can cause this particular problem for the client. Which, 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 which is another adverse effect. For this, for this, you want to report to the doctor when the client does this. Um, you want to also treat it with low dose bosparin. So this is treated with low dose bosparin. Low dose bosparin. I just talked about bosparin just a few minutes ago. We sell bosparin medication. Our we said these drugs are what we call the atypical antibiotic agent. So bosparin can be can be administered in the case of bruxism. It is an atypical. It is an atypical anxiolytics medication. This medication, so it is, it can treat bruxism. So you see, they will ask you: a client is on paracetamol, and the client begin uh, start to chew his teeth or start to grind his teeth. What will the nurse immediately action or what drug will the nurse administer as prescribed? The nurse administer bosparin because it is a what? It is the drug of choice for this drug's adverse effect. Any question? Any question? <laughs>